Welcome to Day 89 of Shaped by the Word. I'm Paul Camp here with uh, Matt Kresge and David Keefe. We're reading through uh, the book of Acts. It has been a, a wild ride through Acts this week. We've seen Paul saying goodbye to dear friends in Ephesus. We've seen him go into the city of Jerusalem with this offering that he's collected uh, over a number of years you know, for the relief of the church uh, in uh, Jerusalem and for the relief of the people in Jerusalem. And as Paul is trying to build bridges, it seems the entire thing collapses on him. Uh, when he walks into the city, the elders are all too glad to hear about what God is doing to the Gentiles, but they're alarmed that many Jews have come to Christ and they're zealous for the law. And they understand Paul's gospel of the Gentiles is undermining the law. And so Paul makes every move he can to identify with them. He embraces four people you know, who have taken a Nazarite vow. He pays for their purification rites, and uh, he's offering the final offering in the temple when the crowd collapses on him, saying this man speaks against this temple and against this place and against this people and against the law. Besides that, he's brought Gentiles into uh, the courts, and uh, they're about to kill him when the Romans reach down and uh, rescue him. He's about to be flogged by the Romans when they find out that he is a Roman citizen. Uh, and he offers a speech in front of the crowd, and everything's going well until he mentions Gentiles, and then they begin throwing you know, dirt in the air and uh, tearing off their clothes. They're ready to stone him once again on the spot. Forty men uh, have yeah. decided they're not going to eat or drink until Paul is dead and to ambush him, and uh, their plot kind of crumbles. So I wonder how long they yeah, I don't, I don't think that worked out eating, very well eating for them. Drinking. I would have given up after two or three days, you know, myself. And so you see Paul, you know, whisk out, you know, by a Roman, you know, cohort, you know, in, in the middle of the night. And the numbers are absolutely mm-hmm. astounding, the, the show of force as they take him to Caesarea. And that is where we find him in chapter 24. So whenever Jesus confronts Paul on the Damascus Road, he said, uh, you will suffer many things for my name, and you will take my Gentile, you, know, you will testify to me for your people and before the Gentiles and before their kings. And we see this happening. This is a Roman governor that he will stand for, Marcus Antonius Felix. So we begin in chapter 24. But before we do, let's offer ourselves in this moment uh, to the Lord. David, do you mind lifting us up in prayer? No, let's pray. And Father, we do thank you again for another day to come to your word. Um, of all things that can shape us in our life, we do pray that the word would shape us most. And so now as we turn our attention to the story here in Acts, may we be convicted where we need conviction and be encouraged where we need encourage, encouragement. And most importantly, may we see Jesus and may we behold him in all of his glory. And we pray this all in his name. Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 24, five days later, the high priest Ananias went down to Caesarea with some of the elders and a lawyer named Tertullus, and they brought their charges against Paul before the governor. When Paul was called in, Tertullus presented his case before Felix. We've enjoyed a long period of peace under you, and your foresight has brought about many reforms in this nation. Everywhere in every way, most excellent Felix, we acknowledge this with profound gratitude. But in order not to weary you further, I would request that you be kind enough to hear us briefly. We found this man to be a troublemaker, stirring up riots among the Jews all over the world. He's a ringleader of the Nazarene sect, and even tried to desecrate the temple, so we seized him. By examining for yourself, you'll be able to learn the truth about all these charges we're bringing against him. 
The other Jews joined in the accusations, asserting that these things were true. When the governor motioned for him to speak, Paul replied, I know that for a number of years you have been a judge over this nation, so I gladly make my defense. You can easily verify that no more than 12 years ago I went up to Jerusalem to worship. Twelve days ago I went up to Jerusalem to worship. My accusers did not find me arguing with anyone at the temple or stirring up a crowd in the synagogues or anywhere else in the city, and they cannot prove to you the charges that they are now making against me. However, I admit that I worship the God of our ancestors as a follower of the way, which they call a sect. I believe everything that is in accordance with the law and that is written in the prophets. And I have the same hope in God as these men themselves have, that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. So I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. After an absence of several years, I came to Jerusalem to bring my people's gift for the poor and to present offerings. I was ceremonially clean when they found me in the temple courts doing this. There was no crowd with me, nor was I involved in any disturbance. But there were some Jews from the province of Asia who ought to be here before you and bring charges if they have any against me. Or these who are here should state what crime they found in me when I stood before the Sanhedrin. Unless it was this one thing I shouted as I stood in their presence. It is concerning the resurrection of the dead that I'm on trial before you today. Then Felix, who was well acquainted with the way, adjourned the proceedings. When Lysias, the commander, comes, he said, I will decide your case. He ordered the centurion to keep Paul under guard, but to give him some freedom and permit his friends to take care of his needs. Several days later, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish. He sent for Paul and listened to him as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus. As Paul talked about righteousness, self-control, and judgment to come, Felix was afraid and said, that's enough for now. You may leave. When I find it convenient, I will send for you. At the same time, he was hoping Paul would offer him a bribe, so he sent for him frequently and talked with him. When two years had passed, Felix was succeeded by Procorius Festus, but because Felix wanted to grant a favor to the Jews, he left Paul in prison. All right, fun passage. Yeah. We get a little bit of a Roman trial. Uh, we even have Ananias, the high priest, uh, you know, coming to represent the case himself. It was deeply important to him, maybe even deeply personal. Paul had called him a whitewashed wall. <laughs> and uh, although he apologized for not recognizing that uh, he was uh, the leader of the people, it, we have a suspicion that maybe he knew that, and maybe his message was you're just not behaving like someone who has the high office that you have, and you're not regarding you know, the law, even as you strike me before you've heard my case. And so we have uh, we have a lawyer that intervenes, you know, yeah. for the first time, Tertullus, yeah. and he offers a really fancy. Yeah, you got to appreciate his start, yes, right? He does. <laughs> and uh, did we have Paul? Not nearly as flattering. He said, "You've been here a long time, so let me talk to you." So, what are some of the things that stand out as you guys read this passage? <laughs> Just the first thing that's kind of the irony of you do have you know Tertullus essentially saying like praising them and flattering them and. You know, man, we've had such peace, and you've brought so much reform. You know, but not necessarily proving, you know, the the charges they're actually bringing. And whereas Paul stands before him and says, "It's all laid out." You know, here, and and he's pleading, not you know, yeah. he's not shying away from any of it. And, and that's one of the things that I love is Paul, just as a man of conviction, says, "You know, you want to get to the heart of the matter. Here's what it is. Oh, I believe in a resurrection of the dead. Yeah, it's the gospel. Yeah. yeah. And of course, what Tertullus just said was the opposite of what Jews believed about this man. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, Marcus Antonius, Felix, uh, he was actually considered by the Jewish people one of the worst procurators ever that had uh, reigned over Judea and Cilicia. He just happened to have the two places, you know, that Paul, uh, you know, was concerned with, both where Paul was a resident and where Paul was, you know, charged. So he hears the case. But he's actually a very cruel you know, leader, very indifferent, you know, to Jewish, you know, custom. Uh, one who the Jewish leaders themselves went to Rome and complained about and had removed. Mm-hmm. So none of the things that they're saying, it, and there's not a single reform that he ever, you know, that he ever even brought about, you know, that can be named in, in, in a history book. So there's a lot of flattery, you know, which was typical of, you know, going before a Roman court to mm-hmm. endure yourself to the, to the judge, you know, before mm-hmm. you do that. And then there are charges, he's, he's causing riots all over the empire, so sedition. Uh, would be one thing that he's you know stirring up the people, and then uh, as Felix probably knew very well, they were very touchy about the temple, and so mm. the accusation about the temple, and then there's a subtle little accusation in there when they call you know this a Nazarene sect. Of course, you had to be a, a legal religion in Rome in order to be accepted, in order to uh, be worshipped. So saying that it was a sect in and of itself separated it from you know its mm-hmm. jewish foundation and opened it up you know to charges and of course paul says none of these are none of these are true yeah and then paul is truthful in his defense too you know the, the things he's stating are absolutely what happened and he can easily kind of dismantle everything that they're bringing against him and as matt said and he says actually here's the real reason that we're here and uh and there's not much said after that yeah, and and he is not about to uh, you know uh, use flattery. He just said, yeah. "I know you've been here for a while, <laughs> yeah. so I'm all too happy you know to offer my case uh, before you." And uh, none of none of this is true. They didn't find me arguing with anyone. They didn't find me bringing a crowd in. I was matter of fact, ritual. I had just gone through purification rites before mm. even entering the temple, so ritually clean in every way. Uh, you know, as I as I walked into the temple, mm-hmm. uh, if the people who caused the riot, you know, want to bring charges against me, let them come here and bring charges. Yeah, but they're not even here. No the people who were eyewitnesses yeah. of it. You know, yesterday in uh, twenty three, when Paul appears before the Sanhedrin, he says, "My brothers, I have fulfilled my duty to God in all good conscience to this day." You know, here he is again in verse sixteen in chapter twenty four. So I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. And we're just seeing, we, we've talked about this some, but just the the character of Paul as well, that, you know, we're, we've seen the gospel take root in his heart. He, he's a man of godliness. He's a man who, you know, seeks to keep not only truthfulness in front of him, but to keep his conscience clear, not just in front of man, but before God and man. And I love how he, he says in verse 14, however, I admit that I worship the God of our ancestors as a follower of the way that... It's not just that Jesus has come and instituted, you know, a new sect, a new religion, but it's actually a continuation of what the Jewish, you know, this is the hope of the Jewish people. This is the hope of our, of our scriptures that we find, you know, Jesus is who he says he is. And he says in accordance with the law and what is written in the prophets. Yeah, no, we, we pointed that out several times that uh, Jesus said, don't think I've come to abolish the law and prophets. I've yeah. not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And uh, in fact, not one stroke of the pen, not one small dot, you know, will be a pass away from the law until everything is accomplished. And, and that's exactly what he says. I believe everything is in accordance with the law. I may not observe the law, 
yeah. you know, precept upon precept, the way that these guys observe the law, precept on precept. But I observe the fulfillment of this law in the person, you know, of Christ. And we all have the same hope, mm-hmm. you know, that uh, we would stand before God. And, and of course, I, you'll love that statement. So I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and men. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Jesus asked, what is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your yeah. God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your might. And the second one's like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And to live in accordance with the law and the prophet is to love God with everything you are and to love your neighbor as yourself. And that's what Paul is saying, you know, that I strive always to do. And what a a great encouragement for us to strive for that as well, to obviously strive towards loving God and loving our man, our fellow man. you know, it seems so simple, but there's so much complexity to that and so much impact that can have for the sake of the gospel, which we see in Paul's lives, and, and I would hope we all want to see in our lives as well. And then, of course, he said, uh, you know, and, and I came to Jerusalem after verse 17, after an absence of several years, I came to bring my you know, gifts to the poor, which is yeah. one of the highest calls, <laughs> you know, the Old Testament prophets, you know, to... You know, to be generous with the poor and to lift up the poor and to present offerings. So far from, you know, coming to cause a stir, I came, you know, as a, as a good Jew, both to present offerings to God and, and gifts to the poor. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Felix, you know, shows up, you know, a little bit later here with his wife, Drusilla. Yeah. Who happened to have been a wife of one of the Agrippas or one of the Herods and, uh, she was 16 years old, and he convinced her to leave him mm-hmm. and marry him. So this is Felix's third wife you yeah. know, in a procession of wife. And whenever uh, Paul comes before <laughs> him, he's talking about righteousness and self-control in the uh, judgment. And uh, uh, Felix said, okay, that that's cool. <laughs> we're, we're done here. <laughs> You're kind of hitting home right here, buddy. Yeah. yeah. Unless, you have a, unless you have a bribe or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but it does, you know, it does hit, you know, close to home. And even yeah. though a lot of times we presume, you know, we presume on, we presume on grace, but the gospel is still, you know, a message about righteousness and self-control and, and the judgment to come, mm-hmm. and, and which is why Paul said, I strive always mm-hmm. to have a clear conscience, you know, before God and, and before men. Yeah. And so we see Felix indecisive, you know, he doesn't know, you know, quite, yeah. what to do so for two years yeah. you know paul languishes away in prison and um he, he's neither moving to free paul or yeah. to please you know the jews well, and, and what he does well and you see i mean you mentioned this earlier just kind of this false peace you know that is that exists between the the roman government and you know the the jews and you see that at the end you know felix wanted to grant a favor to the jews you know obviously that's not you know, just goodwill towards the Jews, like, you know, hey, I'm looking out for you guys. That's, I expect obedience in return. I expect well, something yeah. from you in return. Well, actually, he was headed to Rome to call, be called into account for his misconduct. And uh, said, okay, whatever you guys need, you know, right now, uh, because I need you to vouch for me, you yeah. know, when I go back to Rome and I answer, you know, for the things that they do. So that's a flattery in return for flattery yeah. and, and all of that. Great passage. You you have to love uh, you love Paul's message. It's always a, a gospel message, um, and you love the way that he calls even Felix you know into account you know for what he is what he has done. So deeply you know convicting passage. Matt, why don't you close out not only the day but the week yeah. with a word of prayer. 
Father, we are thankful for this week as, as we've read through your word together, as we've enjoyed your goodness and your grace and your holiness, as we've seen your sovereignty and your care for the church. Father, we thank you that those things didn't just um, occur thousands of years ago, but they occur each and every day. We thank, we thank you for your providential care over us, um, your nearness, the way you, you comfort, the way that you convict, the way that you in, encourage us. And so, Father, we pray for that. Um, as we move into this weekend, um, we look forward to, to gathering as your people um, to hear your word and to sing um, together. And so, Father, would you be glorified in us today uh, in this weekend? Um, God, meet with us as each of us need to be met with. Would you give us comfort? Would you convict us? Would you show us your son? Um, we love you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.